Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Well, welcome to uh, Harvest Community Church this morning. <clears throat> if you want to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. How many of you have aging parents that struggle with newfangled technology? Um, I think sometimes Pastor Dave feels like my son and, and how we struggle with newfangled technology. I have this phone. Everybody looks at it and goes, wow, that's so cool. Is it the new iPhone? And um, it's not. And I hate it. Um, I hate this newfangled technology because there's so many things that you, you have to do in order to get to a place where you want to get. And I can imagine that there are probably a unlimited amount of technological things that I could probably do with this phone, but never do because I really don't want to learn the technology behind it. In fact, he's pushing me to get this iPhone while I'm considering my mind. I'd like to go back to those easier ones where you just press the buttons because it's just simple. Open it, close it, and that's it. And I have to worry about the other stuff. But that means that I'm probably missing out on a whole wide array of things that can not only help me be a better person, but also be a better minister. How many of you would like to buy a car that you know is a really good car, but to find out after you've been driving it for two years, uh, after two years, that if you just did a few things a little bit differently, you'd not only get better pickup, but you'd get better gas mileage and it would be a more comfortable ride. That would be kind of frustrating because in our minds or in our thinking, we had something that was good, but it could definitely be better. And that's sort of the story of the man that we're going to look at today, Apollos. And we're going to look at his life, his ministry, and see that it was good, but it definitely got better when he met a new group of people. Acts chapter 18, verse 24 says this. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Here's kind of the situation. You have a man named Apollos who comes from a city in Egypt called Alexandria. Now, Alexandria was a very big city. It was the second most important city in the Roman Empire, and it was one of the top centers of educational learning. In fact, the library alone had 700,000 volumes, which maybe to us with our modern libraries and all the books that are produced really doesn't seem to be a lot. But back then it was a lot because they didn't have printing presses. So to have that many books was a big thing. In a, in a sense, the, the culture that Apollos came from was a very educated culture. And that's really what it says here in verse 24. He was a learned man. He was really well-educated. He was kind of like a Harvard guy, the kind of guy that you would look at and say, do you like the accent? Thank you for whoever laughed. I appreciate that. But he was the kind of guy who had a Harvard education, and because of that, he really knew what he was talking about. And being from Alexandria, a place where the Septuagint itself had come from the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, he probably had a, a spiritual background as well. In fact, it goes on to say that he was mighty in the scriptures. And the word mighty talks uh, in the original language is the word where we get dynamite from. So he was an explosive speaker. 
So you have this Jewish guy who wanders into town, who's very well educated. And when he begins to speak the scriptures, he knows what he's talking about. And when he's speaking, it's like dynamite. But he doesn't just get up there and simply say, I want to tell you what the scripture says. And people are sitting there and going, wow, that's pretty good. But it goes in this way. He says in verse 25 that he spoke with great fervor. So he's kind of the guy when he gets up into the pulpit, not only is he someone who knows what he's talking about educationally, he's able to communicate. He knows the scriptures really well, but he speaks with a passion. So he's not Mr. Monotone, but he's someone that when you listen to, you go, wow, this guy really knows what he's saying. He's kind of like what the Puritans used to say. He is someone who was light, someone who could expound the scriptures, but he also had the heat, which is really hard to have light and heat with that fervor because many pastors have light. They're really knowledgeable, like um, not using names. I almost did apologize for that. But some guys, they get up there and they can just tell you, you know, this Greek word in 17 different pieces of scripture says this, but in these three, it says this, but in this one, it says this. So it really means this. And everyone's like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's really neat. I like that. But you kind of just said that. Yeah, that was great. But I didn't really care. Just tell me what the word says. But then you have other guys that get up there and they scream all the time. And they say, you need passion, sister. And you go, wow, that's pretty good. So to, by the way, whoa, oh, broke my phone. Darn, get me an old one. See what happens in that person. For, I'm sorry, by the way, this is probably your first time visitor and you're scared to death. It doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> all right. See? All right, message over. So now you get the idea of who Apollos was. Uh, Apollos was someone who was very learned and he was someone who had a lot of passion. And so when people were listening to him, uh, there was God moving. And uh, just to, to see that movement of God was, was something that was, for the people who were listening, was very good. He was, he was teaching the way of Jesus accurately. Well, let's go back to the verses. A Jew named Apollos, a native from Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And the idea behind this is that Apollos himself was a man of integrity. In other words, he, he knew the word of God, but he lived it as well. So he knew the way of the Lord. It doesn't say he knew the way of Jesus per se, but he knew the way of the Lord. In other words, like Abraham, he was a righteous man. He was a man of integrity. On Friday, we were talking about what kind of pastor you'd like to have in the church, just looking at Apollos. And we came up with a whole bunch of characteristics. And, and this man would be a very good pastor. Because, again, here's a very learned, well-educated man. He knows the scripture. He has a fervor. He has a passion. He has integrity. We're going to see a little bit later on that he's a man who is teachable. All of these good things that Apollos has. But there's a problem here. And it says this. He taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew about the baptism of John. Verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. In other words, he's standing up and he's saying, Jesus is the coming Messiah. Jesus is the Lamb of God. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately or more accurately. In other words, even though Apollos had everything that you would want your pastor to have, he didn't have the full capacity of what he could. He was missing something. Which is kind of strange to me. Because when I'm sitting here. And I'm reading these verses. And it's talking about how he is teaching about Jesus accurately. How do you get to be more accurate? I mean if I think of Robin Hood. When Robin Hood shoots an arrow. And he accurately kills somebody with that arrow. How much more accurate can you get? 
But it seems that what is being said here about Apostle is that even though he is accurate, he could be even better. So what is it that he might actually be preaching? Well, it says here in these verses, it says that he only knew the baptism of John. In other words, he was preaching the baptism of John. What is good about the baptism of John? The baptism of John or the message of John was pretty simple. Look at you guys. You have stopped following God. Now is the time to repent for the Messiah is coming. That was his message. And so people were gathering around John and they were repenting of their sins. In other words, they were turning from living for themselves and they turned to living for God. And so in the midst of his baptism and in the midst of his message, there's a whole lot of repentance going on and people are coming back to God and following the way of the Lord. Very similar to hear what's going on in Apollos' life. That's a good message. And he put a name to that. He said, this Jesus, whom John called the Lamb of God, the Savior, is the God that we should be following. And yet he's missing something. There's something inaccurate in his teaching that is leaving him a little bit less than what he could actually be. Now, I struggled through that, and I tried to think of what it was. And if you have been reading The Water's Edge, you have an idea, if you read the whole thing, that what really seems to be missing is his understanding of the Holy Spirit. And even his, his lack of understanding for the, what the death of Christ truly means and what the resurrection means and what Pentecost actually means. He may not even have known that Pentecost happened. And so you have this man of integrity, this man who is mighty in the scriptures, who knows how to teach and lead people to follow God in the way of the Lord is not at his full capacity. It's missing something. Now, in the midst of this, what does this mean for us? Because as I'm thinking about who this man is and what is he teaching, how do you bring that into our lives today? And, and I was reflecting on that last night. I was doing the message at um, the church office. It was late at night. I have to tell you, honestly, it's pretty scary there. Um, it is, man, at night. I mean, there's nobody around, and I'm thinking, Mom, if I get killed, who will know until the morning? Because I told my wife I might not get home until the morning. And so, anyway, okay, that's the rabbit trail. I'm sorry. Um, but I was thinking, how do, you, how do you apply this? And, and what I came across is I came two stories of people who could very well be like Apollos in a more modern-day terminology. And those two people are John Wesley and D.L. Moody. And that kind of gives us a picture of who is Apollos, because I'm not really sure who Apollos is. I don't know if Apollos, when he walked in to Ephesus, if he was a follower of Christ or if he was an Old Testament Jew who needed Christ to finally get over that final gap. Because it does say here, a Jew named Apollos. It doesn't say a Christ follower, but someone who is expecting the fulfillment of Judaism. Well, let me tell you about John Wesley first. John Wesley was a very good man. Uh, John Wesley... Uh, had a very spiritual heritage, parents who were very godly, his mom, who was named Susanna, who was really known for her godliness. And so he had a very, very godly upbringing. And when he went off to college, he was involved in what you would call a holy club. Now, a holy club is an, an accountability group. And it wasn't just like any accountability group. You know, have you ever been in an accountability group where you get together and you talk around and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right. And, or, uh, you know, I'm having struggles with me. I'm having problems. Pray for me. And so you kind of all pray for him and you go on your way and everything's cool. But in the Holy Club, these guys would say, dude, did you read your Bible this week? What is God speaking to you about? And so if you said, well, you know, I, I didn't read my Bible this week, they'd say, what? 
This is an accountability group, man. you got to read your Bible. Get to it. So these guys would read their Bible, and they would pray, and they would share their faith, and they would do all these things. It was like the Navy SEALs kind of accountability group that he was in. In fact, he, he, in a sense, said that he was so convicted by God that he wanted to go to the new world, and he wanted to be a missionary. So he gets on this boat, and uh, as he's sailing to the new world, he meets these Moravian missionaries who are trying to tell him, you, John Wesley, even though you do all these things, are really not a follower of Christ. Because what you're doing is you're depending on your own righteousness in order to get to God and to know God and feel that you're going to get to heaven. He's like, yeah, whatever, heard that stuff in there. But I mean, come on, man, I am in the harbor of the Holy Club and I'm going on missions. And he went on the missions and he preached to the Indians and the prison ministry and all these good things. But something ultimately was missing. And so when he finally comes back to England, he's getting convicted by the things that God is doing in his heart because he's realizing that he's depending on himself in order to get to heaven. And it's not until a worship service that he's attending as they're reading the introduction to Luther's letter to the Romans that he realizes, I am in sin. And he becomes desperate because he realizes that all of the things that he has done his holy club membership, his missionary trips, his ministry to all of these people who are in great need is worth nothing because the whole time he has been trying to please God by just doing works. And it isn't until he realizes that in Christ and what Christ has done alone that he can actually be a true follower of Christ, that he actually becomes a true follower of Christ. Which brings us back to this Jew named Apollos, because here is this learned man in the scriptures who's mighty in the scriptures and with great fervor is speaking the word of the Lord, but may not yet be a Christian. Now, remember, his teaching is accurate, right? It's accurate because what he's saying is you have sinned. You have turned away from God. You must repent of that and come to God, return to God. That's a good message. But it's not the complete message because he's missing that resurrection, that Holy Spirit part. Which means he might not very well be a Christian. So how does that relate to us today? The thing that scares me a lot, not only about myself, but even people here today, are thinking to yourselves, I know Jesus. I am a follower of God. I know the way. I walk with integrity. Pretty decent in handling the scriptures. I kind of know what I'm talking about. If I had to teach a Sunday school class or do a community group, I'm there, man. I can do all those things. I've done missions work. I've done this. I've done that. I've done this. And you can list all the things that you've done. But God could say to you one day, I don't know you. Reminds me of Matthew chapter 7 where these guys are saying, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do miracles in your name? And the answer of Jesus, nope, I didn't know you. You might have done those things. But you and I are not family. That scares me. It's a good message to live a life with integrity. It's good to be a role model for the kids in our church or for the people at work or the people in your neighborhood. But if you're doing that because you think that's how God is pleased and you're going to earn something in order to one day stand before God and say, look at my resume of things that I have done for you. It's a scary thing to think that he would say that was all good but not good enough. So I want to ask you, as we look at Apollos, this man, was he a believer, but not a believer? In other words, did he do the things that he was supposed to do, but had not fully crossed the line 
and known Christ? Are you like John Wesley? And I want you to look at that really in your hearts to wonder. And it doesn't matter who you are, pastor, myself, elder, whatever, deacon. Those things don't matter because there are many pastors who will not be with God when they get to heaven. It's not about what you know, but who you know. Now, is that Apollos? I don't know. I'm not sure. Because I think there's a second person that Apollos could be, and that's D.L. Moody. I'm a Moody grad. Love Moody Bible Institute. Great school. They wouldn't hire me as a teacher. I'm not embittered. <clears throat> Somewhat. Of course, I heard they're laying off people. So even though I wanted to give them my application, I figured they're not going to hire me anyway. But D.L. Moody was a very fruitful evangelist. And uh, he's preaching the gospel and people are becoming Christians and he's got a growing church and all of these good things are happening. And it's very exciting. And one day he notices these two women that are in the audience and uh, they're praying. And and afterwards, he he ends up in a conversation with them and they say, D.L. Moody, we are praying for you. And he says, you're praying for me. Don't pray for me. Pray for the people. They need to know Jesus. And he's like, they're like, no, no, no. We're praying for you because you need the Holy Spirit. He's like, wait wait a minute here, girls. What's going on? Well, he didn't say girls. Of course, I don't know if you even talked to the scripture. But what do you mean I need the Holy Spirit? Look at my ministry. They're like, if they could say this, you're like Apollos. You are teaching accurately, but there is a more accurate way. The fullness of the Spirit is what you need, Brother Moody, because then your ministry will just take off. You think it's good now? You know, like, you you think we need badges? We don't need no stinking badges. Uh, You think you're good now? You're going to be better, kind of thing. And and as he understands that, he's like, no, whatever, whatever, whatever. And they tell him, you know, the only way that you're going to get filled with the Spirit is if you let go of your your chains, your idea of thinking that Chicago is the only place where you're ministering because God is calling you to a, a national and international ministry. And until you let go of that, you will not experience the fullness of the Spirit. And it took the Chicago fire and a lot of struggling and so forth. And one day, bam! As he's praying... As that desire is growing in him to be filled with the Spirit, as these women are talking about, as they continue to pray for him, God empowers him for a larger ministry. So for all of these years, D.L. Moody is speaking the word accurately, but these ladies came and said, you could be more accurate. In other words, the ministry that you have is good, but it could be better. And once the Spirit filled him, it was. His ministry took off. It doesn't mean that all those conversions beforehand were fake. It just means what he had was good, but not as good as what he now had. Which leads me to asking ourselves, as we look at ourselves, where are we at? As we follow Jesus, we may have believed. We're not one of those who's here and sitting there trusting our own works. but We really have truly believed. Has God really empowered our lives? You see, because as you move on here, verse 27, it reads, When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. It seems to me that his ministry was good beforehand, but now that he has an understanding of the real meaning of the death of Christ, his resurrection and Pentecost, the filling of the Holy Spirit, his ministry is even better. 
I think there are many of us who are ministering to our neighbors or ministering to our friends or ministering to our family. And that's a good thing. And we're really wanting to do what God wants us to do. But I think there may be something that we're actually missing. Wouldn't it be disappointing to know that God has said the things that you did were good. But if you'd only let the spirit fill you, your ministry would have been better. That would be disappointing. You see, the baptism of John is is an insufficient message. It really just tells us, turn away from our sin and actually turn to God. But the fullness of the gospel doesn't stop there. The fullness of the gospel brings us to a place where when we understand that Jesus died on the cross, which is a great thing, and he paid for our sins, and now we can turn to God. But the ascension of Christ into heaven and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit now gives us not only new life, but new ministry. You see, the message I think that Apollos was missing out on was a message for, first of all, a one of abundant life. You see, if you don't know, if you do not truly know the message of the Spirit, you're going to miss out on abundant life. See, because the fruit of the Spirit is that love, that joy, that peace, those emotions that are really hard to explain but are so real in the midst of crisis because they are a fruit of the Spirit. They just don't happen naturally. And I think many of us go through life struggling with experiencing joy, struggling with experiencing peace, because we haven't gotten to a place where we understand that not only Jesus died for our sins and gave us this freedom of access to God to get to heaven, but he wants to fill us with abundant life. And so many of us walk through church doing the church things without really having the opportunity to experience God fully because we don't understand the fullness of what the spirit means in our lives. And some of us will serve well, but we could always serve better. And so we struggle in our lives because we think to ourselves, this God thing really doesn't seem to make a difference in my life. And so enjoying this abundant life that you talk about doesn't make sense to me. In fact, if I were to go a step further, I'd probably say to you that I struggle with sin constantly. So how can I even enjoy abundant life? Because all I know is that I've been forgiven of my sin. And if you don't have the message of the spirit, it says not only have you been forgiven, but you have been set free. Could you imagine living the Christian life, always saying, God, I'm sorry, thank you for forgiveness, but I have no power to get over this? What a frustrating way to live. To think that each and every day, the things that you struggle with are the things that you will struggle with till the day you die, and there is no hope of it ever getting better. Disappointing. That's, in a sense, the message of Apollos. You have enough to just get there but not enjoy it. It'd be kind of like going to, uh, I don't know, going to like uh, Great America or Six Flags and you have enough to get in, but you can't eat. And don't go on the rides. And don't have any fun. Now, some of like, if you're like me, I don't, I don't care. I can't, I get sick on the ride, so I'm not missing anything and the food's too expensive. So, so what? That's not what I mean, but you get the idea, right? You're missing out on something. If that's the message of Apollos, why follow Christ if you're not going to have the fullness of life? Now, true, you should follow Christ even if you don't have the fullness of life. Don't take that away from what I'm saying. What I am saying is, why not have the fullness of Christ in your life? Why not live abundantly? 
So you see this man like Apollos, this, this Jewish man who is learned man, who knows the scriptures, who's been instructed in the way of the Lord, who speaks with great fervor and teaches the way of Jesus accurately, now experiences the spirit and teaches the way of the Lord, the way of the Lord Jesus more accurately, because now life is abundant life. It's not about righteousness doing things, but it's all about God's righteousness, which has been given to me, to us, to all of us, sets me free to live abundantly, gives me the opportunity to overcome the sin that just keeps bothering me and holding me down and allows me to experience love and joy and peace in the midst of difficult circumstances. But what's else missing in Apollos' message? Perhaps it's enjoying fruitful ministry. If you don't know the Spirit, if you're not experiencing the Spirit in your life, ministry can be good. D.L. Moody's ministry was good. Many of us can have a good ministry and feel like, wow, I, I, I did this thing. I feel like I touched someone's life. You know, we prayed at small group and uh, it seemed like things really went well and it was really cool. But year after year, we come back to the same thing and wonder to ourselves, when is God going to really move and change somebody's life? I met with a group of our leaders this week and I was thinking to myself, I felt like something was missing in the meeting. And I couldn't figure out what it was because really what I was asking questions, I was asking questions like a reporter would ask questions. How's this going? What's happening here? What's doing with this? And uh, throughout the meeting, it just felt like I'm not hitting on all eight cylinders. You know, there's something that's incomplete. It's nice to meet. It's nice to feel cared for. It's nice to understand what's going on in the ministry, but something's missing. And then when I was riding home, it dawned on me, too late, obviously, that what is missing was the stories of God's work in people's lives. How's this going? Yeah, it's good. Not too bad. Could use a little this, could use a little that. How's this? That's fine. That's fine. But no sense of God working in people or groups of people to a point where you can say, I knew you six months ago. And because of our ministry to you, you're an absolutely, totally different person. That does not happen because we are learned people. It does not happen because we are mighty in the scriptures. It does not happen because we are fervent about the message of Jesus. It happens because the Holy Spirit takes all of that and does something with it and then changes the person. And now you have a God story, not a good story, because we don't want to hear good stories. Good stories don't last forever. God stories last for eternity. And that's where I think I'm stuck with Apollos. Who is this Apollos guy? Is he John Wesley, the guy who was religious, the guy who depended on his own righteousness and missed the point? Or was he D.L. Moody, this guy who really knew Jesus but didn't have the fullness of the Spirit? And my answer to you is I don't know. In fact, I read one commentary from Pastor Jared, and they had four different Apollos. How do you get four Apollos? How are you going to preach that one? So I just picked two. Did you get the idea? So let me finish with this. I know it's a little early. You're all freaking out because you want me to go longer, but I'm not going to. Who are you? Seriously. Who are you? Are you John Apollos Wesley? Are you here today looking at me going, amen, brother? Like uh, one guy we heard, Paul Washer, I think his name was. He, he was preaching the word and everybody's like, yeah, that's so cool. That's so happy. He says, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you Pharisees out there who say God is good and God is great and we love your message and then you go home and you're no different than anybody else that you know. 
your coworkers, your neighbors, whatever. You're all the same, except that you go to church on Sunday and you do all the right things that you're supposed to when you're supposed to, but there's no difference. So I'm asking you, are you this John Wesley religious guy who has it all together, a man of integrity like Apollos, but you don't know Jesus? Ask that question. Paul says, examine and see if you're really in the faith. See, because it would really stink to live the way you live and miss out on so much of what the world has to offer to get to heaven and God says, don't know you. One of the things that scared me from the first church that I went to is one guy who said, you know what's going to be surprising? It's not going to surprise us as to who is in heaven, but who is not. That scares me. Because I'm thinking, what if I'm not there? Which is a bad thing in the first place, but what are people going to be talking about? So who are you? Are you this... John Wesley Apollos, or are you this D.L. Moody Apollos? The one who is or has crossed that line of faith. The one who is following Jesus and doing what they're supposed to be doing, but you're doing it in your own strength. You're saying, I am learned. I am educated. I have charisma. I have a personality. I'm a nice guy. People like me. So why not? That's good. It's not good enough. The call then for you is to stop depending on yourself to change people's lives, your personality and so forth, but to trust God's spirit to work in you and through you. I think this is serious business. I think it's serious business because I think many of us are either this John Wesley or D.L. Moody guy today. And we're really missing out a lot, but we're really satisfied and comfortable with what we have because it's good. It's not bad. But it's not what God has for us. I don't know if Apollos at the end of his life would have said, boy, I'm really disappointed I met Aquila and Priscilla because, man, my life would have just been pretty good. I don't think he would have said that. I don't think John Wesley would have said, oh, man, I met those Moravians. They gave me a better life in Christ. Can't imagine D.L. Moody saying, I'm so disappointed that those ladies prayed for me and then I was filled with the Spirit. But I can't imagine a lot of us hearing this and doing nothing about it and missing out on what God would have for us. I'm not saying that God's going to give us all the prosperity and the blessings. What I'm saying is that God would give of himself because he really has. And we have every spiritual blessing already in Christ Jesus, but we don't experience it because we walk in our own power and our own strength. And I think that's what Apollos teaches us. Here is the good way. Here is the accurate way. But man, this way is better and it's more accurate. And through all the pain and the difficulty that I went through, I will take this rather than this any day. So the question is, which one will you take? Will you continue to be John Wesley? Will you continue to be D.L. Moody? Or will you be Apollos? Submit yourself to Christ. Let his spirit fill you. Experience abundant life as God intended and fruitful ministry as God intended. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are the eternal God from beginning to end. In fact, you have no beginning and no end. You are grander, you are more majestic, more awesome and greater than we can even think or imagine. And yet you have, through your son, 
lived among us. And through your spirit lived in us. And prayerfully and hopefully lived through us. Examine us. See where we are with you. You know, but maybe we don't. If there are those who are like John Wesley here today, speak to their hearts. Allow them to see that their righteousness is but rags before you. That true righteousness is the righteousness of your son, Jesus. Whose blood spilled for all. Brings forgiveness. Freedom from sin. And an outpouring of the spirit. Father, we ask, pour out your spirit among us. For if we really have believed, if we have really repented and turned and followed you, help us not to live life in our own strength, but to live life in your spirit, to allow your spirit to minister in us and then minister through us. To see the God stories that you're doing in our lives and in our world by the power of your spirit. Spirit come in a way that fills us and gives us a heart for the lost and gives us a compassion for people who are hurting and needing. Help us not to be just a good church where a lot of good things are going on, good ministries are happening. We pray for your spirit that we might be your church, a God church, where God life and God stories and God things happening in ways where lives are being changed, not temporarily, but for eternity. For Father, it is in your hands. We pray then that this power would be poured out upon our church. That we would see people come to know your son Jesus, to turn from their sin, to be filled, to walk holy lives, to see people who are in deep emotional pain, from losses that they have experienced to see healing happen. To see the spirit of Jesus moving in us in ways that when people look, they don't see us, but they see you moving real and alive. So we pray in your name, Lord Jesus, and ask you to come. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.